Welcome to Dice Carnival. You'll be playing Full Moon Over the Bayou, a custom adventure in collaboration with Mighty Misfits Menagerie. You can find their YouTube and Twitch channels in the description below. And without further introduction, let us begin. We begin in a world different from the one we know but in some ways, not so. Electrovol. A world that had died once before, reborn, reborn into a glowing beacon, while much of the world still exists in darkness, isolated from the calamity that had shooken the crust, reshaped the land, and redefined society. We follow four figures who find themselves as ambassadors from the great city itself. It's many factions constantly vying against each other, making alliances and rivalries, except in one instance, and that is the Jumpstart Initiative, a project to reunify the world, making Electroval its hub of culture, of society. Of course, there are many political problems that Electroval has not sorted out itself. That doesn't mean that interests still don't have it to venture out and see what societies have managed to cling on to what little rock they could have. And one of these societies was made contact with by the Jumpstart Initiative. First contact made, and they were immediately to go the F home. But not before they encountered a few villagers, supposedly, who claimed that they were having trouble with a monster, a cryptid being of some sort. Though not everyone in the town really spoke about it very publicly. That was all the first contact team needed to put together a band of misfits, send them out to the, uh, the swell old town of Herbertsville and tell them, hey, solve the problem for, solve that problem for them, and maybe they'll like us more, and we can start investing our interest into this isolated township. So here we are now, uh, as we come across four individuals walking down the uh, sort of boardwalk that splits off into a sort of a muddy path over the banks of the swamp. Who, who would like to go first? I think Gloria? Coulter should. Oh, Coulter. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Coulter. You've been nominated. Quaric Silverhearth is a kingpin within the Twisted Dagger who has made it his own responsibility to connect the guild of thieving and dastardly deeds to this new settlement. Approached the Jumpstart Foundation, uh, to which they were surprised he was aware that this was happening to begin with. But we all have our little sources and our little secrets. He is a uh, ghostwise halfling, which I believe is Whitpack within the world of Electroval, um, standing a good head shorter than the rest of the party, uh, if not half the height of a few of them, and uh, dressed in worn leathers 
and all of the twisted dagger flare. Ooh, Coulter, do the new character thingy that you made. On the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! There we go. <laughs> well, considering it was uh, Rio who nominated Culture to go first, I think it's only fair that uh, Rio introduces his character now. Sure. Uh, I'll be playing Dilby, uh, uh, Dilby Carson. Uh, he is about as generic as a man that you've ever seen. That, like, perfect everyone has, shade of brown, a very slightly off-style uh, mustache-slash-beard. Um... Uh, and he's wearing like a nice suit, but kind of shabby. And uh, he's just kind of following behind Gloria, uh, uh, and kind of keeping to himself, trying not to talk too much. Um, he's already asked uh, Korik several seemingly uh, uh, weird questions about halflings, as he seems to be interested, as he's never met one before. Um, and so, yeah, that's Dilby. He just kind of hanging out. Yeah, he seems very nervous to be leaving the city. <laughs> Gloria, you are you traveled here with your recent companion, Dilby. Uh, would you like to maybe describe yourself for those who may yep. be listening? So I am a middle-aged, very, very skinny and angular fire genasi woman. Um, and I am currently an investigative ta- investigative journalist for tab worldwide and as a divination wizard i pride myself in knowing things before they happen and putting my hand in them to make them a little bit more interesting and i definitely see a great story here it's all about the reader digest (laughs) of course these three figures following up on their flank is a another one who's a little bit taller than the rest groth um groth is about six, seven feet tall, um, hefty. He's got brown fur um, covering most of his body with uh, some red, like, algae plants kind of growing matted in his fur. Um, eye patch over one eye. Um, and carrying a nasty looking uh, black glaive. And has a priest on one of his wrists that has something right. written on it, but and weird. Right, and uh, Groth is a bugbear, correct? Oh, I'm sorry, yes, bugbear. Awesome. Uh, yeah, uh, definitely an Electroval bugbears tend to be very lanky and have sort of plant material growing into their fur to give them a more, uh, make it easier for them to camouflage while they are hunting and fishing. Um, but we will not be doing, I don't know, maybe we will, so, uh, too much hunting and fishing today. Instead, we are traveling across the muddy banks, the unpaved road that splits off from the sort of boardwalk that was cutting across the swamp in the direction of the wastelands that are much drier and full of many more Mad Max-style warlords than what you got to deal with around here. How, how are you feeling? It's a, it's a hot day, It's uh, the water is stagnant, there are flies, and the smell of manure in the air around you. As we've gotten further away from the city, 
especially with the extra questions from Dilby, Horik has been straying closer to the bugbear to try and uh, avoid having to explain more than his uh, height and anatomy to the curious human. Um, <laughs> refused to take off the jacket with the heat and been twiddling with his daggers for the last uh, few miles uncomfortably. Any conversation uh, Quark or Groth have with each other? No. Sounds that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming even even if you try, Groth's not. He yeah, just grunts. There probably would have been a few false starts of. So how the hell did you end up with a journalist? Mm. <laughs> Any take on the human? Man, a few words. I like that. Cut about 30 feet ahead of where the two of you are walking. Uh, we have Dilby and Gloria kind of walking in tandem. Gloria. Trying, trying to suss out the markers in the road that you were told to follow from the previous first contact party. Gloria, with it being as hot as it is outside, do you find it uncomfortable or do you even notice? I feel like if, if I wasn't a, a madam of the heat, I'd definitely be much more uncomfortable. You know, what's bothering me even more is how uneven this ground is. Heels were definitely a very bad idea. With one step of Gloria, there's a squelching sound coming from beneath. <laughs> uh, if you would like, I could uh, carry you for a bit until we're out of the worst of it. But if what you said about where we're going is true, I feel like it's only going to get worse, Gloria. <laughs> I, I, I can manage. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dilby. I, I do appreciate it. Hmm. Well then. Uh, as you are having your conversations and uh, making your way across the the sometimes knee-high muddy waters that are the swamps around Electroval, that smell of sort of saltiness also kind of permeating as this is not a fully freshwater swamp you are trudging through. It Always is the middle of the day. Salt water. Okay. It's brackish, kind of. It's like a mix. I'm sorry, I, I just, in my head I was like, oh, it's poop water? And then I was like, oh no, he means salt water. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, it's probably a bit of that. You do you do have to avoid the occasional uh, very large crocodile laying on the occasional bank. Um, maybe I would imagine Gross might be familiar with this terrain a little bit. Um, from, from histories we will not pry into. But uh, for the majority of you, you are definitely finding the experience unpleasant but tolerable considering your life's experience and the sort of challenges some of you have faced before yeah goodness i haven't i haven't left the city in ages who who here's more who's here's more familiar with you know the outskirts in this area because i don't think i should be leading uh whenever we come to a particularly deep part of the swamp i would also like to offer the halfling also to carry him if he <laughs> would like uh you're you, you see that the robot the the human man i should say sorry the human about it, standing, uh <laughs> stopping and turning around and looking at you uh cork uh just just staring you down i mean no disrespect to you and i understand that your question is asked out of kindness 
That is a question that you get to ask a halfling one time. Well, once I had the answer to it, it that, that makes perfect sense. No. You would only ask it. Oh, yes. Yes, very well. Uh, I, I believe our associate um, with the uh, unfriendly countenance, uh, the larger one, uh, he would probably be the most familiar with the swamp area. Uh, you're native, correct? Let's say. I, uh, without having to answer us in the affirmative or the negative, if you are more familiar with this terrain than a city folk, why don't you take the forward position? Um, I'll move. Yeah, I'll move on the forward. Um, yeah. With a, with a, with a, 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 a half shrug, Roth takes the lead. Uh, the it's aversion a to being carried, is that a cultural uh, or a personal uh, uh, difference? <laughs> Gloria, so this is your first assignment outside of Uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm usually assigned to more socially inclined projects, stories. You know, maybe investigating the elite, figuring out figuring out stuff that's a bit more interesting than what happens outside. But I'm sure they set me on this because I, they know I can make it interesting. So, notoriety is the name of the game where this is a concern for you. Well, I mean, how else do you create an interesting story? If you lay it out plain and simple, people are just going to get bored of you. Don't you know journalism? We usually get the papers after they've gone through a few rounds. Mm. Well, maybe I can show you a little bit of how it's done in person. See what the field looks like. Usually among the... Yeah, usually in the circles the Twisted the Dagger operates in, uh, most of the magazines are laid out as toilet paper. Um, but it is as you are emerging from the top of the bank and beginning to kind of dry out, and some of you have maybe taken your boots off to uh, not soil them too badly, uh, you kind of find yourself standing in that point for a moment when you hear a faint sound. I would say Korich. I'm pronouncing that right, correct? Works for me. Korich, you hear with your very keen halfling ears the sound of a grunt or a cry for help, but faint. Hold back. Can I tell a direction? Mm -hmm. You do. You kind of like listen a little bit ahead of you in the reeds of the embankment you've just climbed up. You see, you know, maybe a little bit more of a path here than what you've traversed previously. Not by any means a road, but you think you see maybe grooves in the, the earth and the mud that look maybe somewhat freshish and kind of in that direction and a little to the right of where you're heading. That's where you heard that sound. And then you hear the snapping of like some some reeds. There's something so something's ahead. pushed against them. And it didn't sound like it was in a good state. 
uh, something close to uh, possibly a cry for help or a cry of uh, alarm, but it's dead on through that read. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Amazing how good your hearing is uh, when it's not a question asked by a, a seemingly innocent third party. <laughs> I don't necessarily want to get involved in this, but it's directly in our path. Could make for a good story. Uh, definitely. You, you hear another sound, Cork. Hey. Uh. And it's a story that may be over soon, so we should probably move. You proceed forward. I imagine, Cork, you're keeping the lead. Um, I will... Uh, can I get Groth to stand next to me? <laughs> yeah, he'll, uh, he'll follow next to you. Okay. Alright, and... Uh, Dil Dilby and Gloria will be uh, taking the back. Um, yeah, as you approach the uh, the embankment nearby, you the first thing that you see is an overturned wagon. You don't know how long it's been there, but it doesn't look like it's rained since it had gone off the path. It looks like it's taken some structural damage, but that will need a closer inspection. What draws your attention after that is to the right, near the front of the carriage, you imagine, perhaps where someone would have fallen off, is a figure lying half face down in the swamp with a very, very big snake wrapping around them, constricting. And then you hear another... Uh, and a faint snapping sound from where you see a man with kind of tanner skin and a sort of handlebar mustache and uh, you know black wavy hair that's been in the swamp for a while is, is is currently being crushed by this very large snake that bats an eye in your direction I will uh, look upwards and say this better not be you fucking with me and I will attack the snake in that case, I need everyone to roll initiative. Initiative time. Ooh. Uh, it's right. strange to have good initiative after so long not. <laughs> <laughs> well, first thing I need is Gloria's. Yep, that's gonna be a third. Uh, yeah, 15. That was a 13 15. on the die. Uh, Dilby. Seven. Cork. Uh, 19 on the die, 24 with initiative. 24. Groth. 3. Alright. Alright. Respect the nice. Nice. <laughs> well, Korik, uh, you are most certainly the one to act first, for you see that this large snake seems to be in the process of crushing this unfortunate victim. You can't imagine something, a creature of this intelligence and of, of this anatomy would have been able to drive the wagon off of the, the, the road. But it definitely seems to be putting this man in dire straits. A distasteful danger noodle. Korok, you go first. Korok will uh, hold out both of his hands, and as he does so, these uh, fairly translucent blue and purple daggers will appear in them, and then he's going to take a throw. As you, the blades appear in your hand, there's a faint... 
a whispering that suddenly emanates from them as they conjure, and you you throw them or you you run up and strike. I'm gonna throw them. I throw. Them. All right, you you twist and you throw out this psychic blade. Go ahead and roll to hit. Uh, that is a fifteen plus eight. So okay, so that's yeah, twenty three to hit. <laughs> twenty three will hit. Um, go ahead and roll your damage. Um, the snake is not currently harried by this individual, so you, I don't think you have something to activate sneak attack. This man is is a victim. If anything, he seems unconscious at the moment. All right, and then I will uh, also... Oops! Um, so that's uh, 5 plus 5, so 10 damage with the first one. All right. And then I will uh, use my offhand to throw the second one. Um, is it a bonus action to conjure the blades, or is that a free action? Uh, it is a it's, good question. It's part of... It's part of the attack roll. Alright, it's part of the attack roll. Go ahead and make your offhand strike. Uh, oh, so that is going to be 13 plus 5, so uh, 21 there? or 22. It is a snake, and it is very big, and it's not that agile. That will hit. <laughs> okay, so that is going to be a, uh, a 1 plus 5, so we got a 6 on that one. 6 points of damage. You see the snake lets out a... As it looks towards you and it starts baring its fangs. Um, Alright, yeah. I got its attention. Now, uh, anybody else? Keep in mind, the snake is about 15 feet away from where you are. When you crested the ridge to see where the wagon had crashed, basically into that ditch area is where the snake pretty much was. And, yeah. Uh, the snake's turn. Uh-oh. It is going to slither forward, still grabbing a hold. This is, by the way, a huge creature. It is going to lash out and bite out at the sneaky little halfling. Though, that will only be with a 13 to hit. Uh, misses. As you go ahead and see it's going out, you quickly tuck and roll out of the way as you see it's already craning its neck out and it lashes out at you. And yeah, you, you, you see it kind of turn up dirt as the weight of its head slams down. Its head almost as big as you are. Alright, I deserve that. So you're saying uh, he's bite-sized? Gloria, you and uh, Dilby are running up the hill as soon as you see the mound of dirt fly and you see the scene that is in front of you. Ah, firebolt the snack. Go ahead, roll to hit. All right, that's going to be a 26. All right. Uh, 26 will definitely hit. Go ahead and roll your damage. Uh, that's going to be four damage. <laughs> you go ahead and you strike against it, but this creature, having been recently submerged in the water, uh, you, 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 the, the fire isn't as, uh, as, uh, you deal four points of damage. All right. Anything else? If not, it is going to be Dilby. Yeah, that's going to be it. Dilby. Uh, so Dilby is going to... Um, uh, how you were warned that Dilby some of the uh, the creatures out here can be quite aggressive. Mm -hmm. um, but you're confronted with one now. Uh, how far away is it? Um, I guess where you pressed it up. It could be as close pretty much as you wanted. Like, if you wanted to be, you could be as far as uh, 25 feet away from it. Uh, can I be within... 15 feet of it? Yep, you can go ahead and move up uh, right in front of Gloria. And then, so, just so I, I clarify with you, uh, Dungeon Master, 
Uh, forced movement usually breaks grapples. Would it break a grapple in this particular instance? I would say that for the size of the snake, um, you could attempt to basically reach in and try to pull that person out. But mm. uh, moving the snake, if you had something, keep in mind this is a huge creature. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it would probably drag the individual with him. Okay. Unless you could somehow, you know, get the snake to to release. Perhaps if you know, dragging a creature like that would definitely slow it down. So, you know, well, maybe dealing I enough attempt... damage will convince it to flee. Uh, can I attempt uh, to lightning lure the grappled character without damaging him? Because he only gets damage if he lands within five feet of me. I'd allow that. Um, okay. I'd say that because you're you're using this effect not really as it would be usually attempted. Yeah. You're trying to use it as a sort of tether. Mm -hmm. to try to like free this individual but the snake is holding on to it um i'm going to ask you to roll a i'm going to have the snake roll a strength check and i'm going to ask you to roll a, an ability check with your spell casting modifier okay the same one you use for uh lightning lure mm, 13 that's a low well it rolled a nine Okay, cool. It's pretty decent <laughs> strength. Um, and yeah, you managed to go ahead and in the moment where it's uh, currently attacking the annoying little halfling that's messing with its mind, um, <laughs> you see that it uncoils just long enough that... Uh, what does it look like when you summon this lightning lure? So I was thinking that uh, he would just kind of like uh, run his hand down his arm, sparks would call out, and then he would throw his hand out. Uh, grip the guy, and then maybe kind of like atomize him for a second, and then bring him to him? I don't know. Yeah, sure. I'm, yeah, certainly, yeah. It's like, you go ahead and you grab it. It's more like this sort of rippling wave of energy emanates mm. over it, and you manage to kind of create this, uh, this this point in space that you can pull, and pulling out, uh, yeah, it's, it's the snake's just not quick enough to wrap around, and you you see the figure just, just get pulled in the five out three feet in the air before hitting mud. Alright, and then I'm going to move between him and the snake, and then I'm going to summon my maul, my giant yep. clockwork hammer. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, certainly, and and Korok, you're you're watching this very normal-looking human as he does all of this, as a uh, mid-mid-flip, you know, complete magical girl transformation, you reach into the air and pull this maul that materializes and land, psh, interposing yourself between the large constructor snake and... The victim. Note to self, talk to the human. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty boy's doing some fancy stuff. What are you doing? Does anyone mm. else hear a tornado siren? Or is that just me? That might be me. <laughs> I like you mute momentarily while uh, Groth does his thing. Um. <laughs> okay, so the guy's out of the snake now, right? Yes. Cross uh, just gonna watch for right now. Sounds good. <laughs> Alright, that's Gross' turn. Quark. Okay, so I made the wrong decision of who to be nice to, and I'm going to go ahead and attack <laughs> the snake again. Um, and I will use the, uh, the psychic blades. Um... So first one, these are doing really well. Um, first one is an 8 plus 8, so 26 to hit. Um, that hits. And a 66, not a d8. For 6 damage. 
yeah. And six points of damage. Uh, off. And you would technically, and technically, because it's lashed out towards you, and I mean, is Gross pointing the stick at the snake's direction? Just kind of standing ready, or no? To be honest, oh no, I would say Dilby. Dil Dilby's the one who's engaging right now. Okay, yeah. then I will sneak attack with that as well. Go ahead and sneak attack. Okay. Because uh, you got there. Because if I moved him ten feet and then moved in between, that would put me within five feet. So, so uh, six with an additional twelve for eighteen damage. It is too distracted by Dilby's showmanship. <laughs> uh, how much extra sneak attack? Uh, twelve. Twelve points of sneak attack. Yes, this, this snake definitely. Uh, as you uh, see, it's momentarily struck. You go ahead, like in uh, Harry Potter, just go ahead and drive the blade into the eye of the basilisk, and yeah. Um, and you hear a, a, a loud hiss. Well, is it so, dead? Uh, it's not dead. Not dead. Okay, then I will use the offhand attack. Uh, oh, that's uh, that's gonna be a 13 to hit. 13 still hits. Oh. Very big snake. But you can see its demeanor has definitely shifted since losing its uh, prey and this barrage of attacks. Okay, so with that one, that will be a 7 damage. Alright. Honestly, he just came out to have a snaky time, and then he was feeling really attacked right now. He was, and because he feels so attacked, he doesn't want to be at this party anymore. Uh, the snake is going to just hiss, and just in a very reptilian, logical mind, kind of twist around, and I, I feel like this thing, it, it, it can go fast, but I just feel like it's not gonna really have the size to properly disengage so it's just going to slither away anyone could strike at it if they want but the thing appears to be fleeing into the nearby fog well till we got a 10 so he just warning he was just warning it yeah, just go ahead and you slam it in and mud sprays up in the air and kind of covers you a little bit not not none of it gets on your face somehow but you know um I won't make another attack. I got too close to being inside that thing's mouth, and I fit too well. Yeah, and definitely, yeah, definitely, like, you you were probably, like, maybe trembling a teensy bit every time you struck it towards there and having to, like, use all your willpower to get a straight shot, and, and you're, you're worried about doing it again until you just see it just twist its head around and snake away. Yeah, bug off, you bar! And yeah, you see it slither out. Uh, do any of you antagonize it any further, or do you allow it to, uh... If I see Gloria do it, I will stay. Uh, you cantankerous cur! Uh, do not return to this area for at least seven to ten business days. What language do you say that in? Common. Alright, good to know. Um... <laughs> seven to ten business Turns out the snake speaks abyssal. I only speak common in Elvish, so... Well, <laughs> we will drop out of initiative. Um, Ross, as you expected, you didn't have to do anything. Um, and yeah, Big Snake goes away, and there is a figure lying half face down in the mud again, fully face down in the mud, and a broken wagon nearby. I will kick my hammer with my foot, spin it around, and then up into the air, and it disappears. It disappears in a, a shower of magical glitter. Alright, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check out the dude. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna check out the dude. Uh, make sure he's okay, because you can't there's interview bubbles, things that are dead. There are bubbles coming out of the mud <laughs> as you approach him, but you quickly turn him over, I imagine. Yeah, um, yeah. But the figure is still unresponsive. 
just just poke his eyes, make sure he's breathing. Roll me a medicine check, Gloria. Not crud. I'm not great at those. We yeah, didn't bring any wisdom did. characters. That, uh, what does a three get me? He's not breathing. Uh, uh, shit, shit, shit. Uh, I could attempt one. I have a plus zero, but I could attempt it. Does anyone know CPR? Are you dragging him up onto the, the edge of the bank? Uh, with my minimal strength, I guess. You know what? I will uh, feed him a potion of healing. Alright, go ahead and you, you pop out that potion of healing. Um, go ahead go ahead, just roll real quick for the healing. It's 2d4 plus 2, correct? Yep. Uh, 6. As you pour it in and the sort of vitality kind of enters his body, his eyes open for a second and he's just like the beast <clears throat> and he kind of passes out again it would appear that this person's problem well for one thing one problem they don't have is they don't appear to be dead but their problem isn't vitality they appear to be suffering some worse injury and you see that the side of this individual's face is all kind of clawed open as so a big pair of claws had raked across their face and neck prior to the snake's uh visit are we assigned any sort of medic? Is there anywhere we could take this man? I mean, Dilby, if you uh, want to go ahead and attempt a medicine check yourself. Well, I was going to try... Uh, okay, I'll try it first. Um, what would you like to try? I was going to stay... I was going to try lesser restoration, but uh, I like medicine first. Uh, I got an 11? Yeah, medicine doesn't hurt. It gives you an idea of, like, maybe what sort of magic or what sort of uh, skills might be needed to help an individual like this. Mm -hmm. In this particular case first thing you notice is that this individual's spine is not shaped quite right. Okay. You didn't notice it at first, but as you were peering across, it would appear that their spine is uh, broken in some capacity. Mm. You're not exactly a trained physician, but you can sum up that much from the sort of uh, awkward shape of it in the lower back. Would we say that's the paralyzed condition? <laughs> this person that's, that's um, to be appears to have a spinal injury. That is what you well, get with an 11. I'm just wondering if lesser restoration would help that. Is would not. Mm. Uh, how far do you... Th how do we, Would we know how far we are from some sort of settlement that we can take him? I mean, it's uh, almost two days back to Electroval if you were to head out that way. Mm. Um, you could always head back to the highway. You imagine the closest place would probably be the place you were heading, but you don't even know if they'd be able to help. I'd also like to say, while we have a moment, that because you stuck, you stepped out of your way to save this man's life, uh, you all get inspiration. Oh, yeah! You get that achievement. Congratulations. You seem to have spoken something about the beast before that. But you do see that there is a wagon nearby that is uh, half turned over. You see that the one of the wheels looks like it was ripped off, and you see that there's been more damage to sort of uh, wooden frame. Whatever steed pulled it has escaped quite a time ago. Uh, I'll investigate the wagon while they're checking out the body. Roll I'll, an investigation check. I'll help him out. You go ahead and roll your own. Um, I'm watching Ooh. around to see if anything... Alright, uh, 16 plus 7. What's math? 23. Uh, 
22. Well, uh, you were going to get stuff anyway, um, but you get all the stuff. <laughs> I will say first thing, um, does uh, Dilby say anything when like he notices that the, uh, the sta announcing the state of the man? Uh, well, when uh, everyone seems more interested in the cart than the dying man, I just keep it to myself because I figure everyone has their priorities. And I just it's busy myself trying to make some kind of gurney so we can move him safely. Yep, I mean, there's plenty of uh, broken wood nearby. Um, but yeah, looking through here, you find a few things. Inside this wagon, you find 24 vials of holy water. Mm-hmm. 10 vials of alchemist's fire. Four vials of acid. You find a sort of uh, a keychain rack inside, like some pegs. Hanging on them, you find five what you would imagine are holy symbols of paragons. You would probably recognize Peloron and uh, Etrex and Thor among them. You find uh, tucked away um, in a sort of sinking bookshelf a book of celestial verses. You find a sort of uh, outfit, a sort of glowing Aethertech enchanted outfit of uh, studded leather armor. You find a suit of armor that also seems to be uh, Aether enchanted that is covered in blood and is splint mare, mill, mail. Uh, you find a quiver of 20 arrows that seem to be magically enhanced. You find underneath the seat of the carriage a pistol a Thunderstone pistol, as well as 40 bullets, as well as 9 bullets that seem a little bit different. You see that there are two hatchets kind of hung up above the uh, the sleeping area that seem to have been coated in a silvery metal. You see that there is an uh, Electrotech whip. There is a... There's a lot of stuff, I know. Uh, <laughs> a very long kind of silver-plated longsword. You find four vials in the kitchen area labeled Assassin's Blood. You also find, behind the cabin, what looks to be a chair with wheels on it that seems to be made with Aethertech artifice that uh, is kind of folded up in the back of the wagon. Uh, you also find, underneath, in a sort of hidden compartment, a, a sort of little little brooch, like a star almost, but it has some styling to it. As well as a journal that seems to have sunken into the water and most of the ink has washed away, except for maybe the most recent few pages. Uh, I'm gonna fish the journal out of the water and I'm gonna tell Quark, all right, you begin uh, indexing some of this stuff. I'll get the chair out. I'll get the chair out to our little friend we just saved, and I'm going to take the wheeled chair out so we could possibly, like, prop up the injured man in it. So as you go ahead and you pop out the wheelchair, you're trying to figure out how it works until you see that there's, like, a little lever at the edge, and then it just mechanically pops open in front of you and kind of half sinks into the swamp. These big treads that are fashioned on here, you imagine that this individual's spinal injury was not caused by the snake, but was probably a condition that he had been living with before, and this was mm -hmm. a device that he used to compensate. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it out to them, and I'm also gonna start checking out the journal. As Gloria approaches with the wheelchair, be very careful, he has a severe spinal injury, and it might be dangerous to move him. 
as I'm I not think really this looking is, at her. <laughs> I, I, think, I think this is intended to uh, help support him. Oh! Well, that would explain the severity. Uh, yes. Uh, so I will kind of position him in the chair itself. So you just kind of like scoop him up and you and Gloria are trying to just kind of weaken that Bernie's him into the chair. <laughs> Except and Dilby like is bit... obviously doing all of the work. Yeah. <laughs> this man, uh, um... Just in case, can I cast less restoration, uh, specifically trying to remove any poison effects? You um, can. Just in case he, I don't know, it seemed like a constrictor snake, but I've seen weirder things. Roll me... Just roll me one more medicine check as you cast this. Twelve this time. You cast a spell. You don't get a feeling as though you're purging any sort of toxins. You're restoring some sort of order. That's all about what uh, Dilby does. Mm -hmm. And you feel something released, but you, you're not entirely sure what it was. It's not a poison. It's it's strange. Okay. But it felt like maybe there was something rooted there. Like maybe some sort of mild infection maybe he caught, but mm -hmm. you don't think it's that. Just something gets yeah. released. Purged. Mm -hmm. I'll also right. spell it um, just so I can activate my uh, item in case it is <laughs> uh, uh, charmed, blinded, deafened, frightened, poisoned, or stunned. Just double shoot. Nope. Like I'm just trying nope. to set him as close back to normal settings as possible. Yep, <laughs> you're, you're, you're trying to. You don't have a maintenance manual for this individual, but you're trying to. <laughs> Hitting factory um, reset. But you imagine that this individual probably needs more proper medical care for whatever yeah, injuries he sustained. And you think that he's stable for now, but it would be advisable if you want to save this individual's life or health to get him to a proper doctor or priest. So, not to be <laughs> not to be terrible, but just to make sure I got what this was, um, twenty vials of holy water. Twenty-four. Twenty-four. Thank you. Um, and big milk crate of them. Four vials of alchemist fire. Ten, al ten alchemist you. fire. Four acid. Awesome. Five various holy symbols. Awesome. Okay. A book on celestial verses. A magic suit of studded leather armor. A magic suit of splint mail. Twenty magic arrows. Okay. A gun. Some bullets, yeah. Forty bullets, and then ten of them are special. Nine of them are special. It would appear that one of them had already been used. Would it be worth it to cast Detect Magic and kind of go through the stuff to see if there's any additional magical properties beyond a simple, like, bonus? Um, Detect Magic? I mean, it would help you identify it. I'd imagine, you know, maybe Gloria sat down for some time and that's how you helped gather all the other things. Mm -hmm. But you, you, you know, the, the wheelchair is definitely magical. Um, another thing you would have found, and apologies for forgetting to mention this, you also find 250 platinum of Old World coins. Oh. Uh, for those of us who aren't familiar, is there a particular difference between Old World and New World? It's just that these are, you would imagine that these are worth about 250, 250 platinum worth, but it's fewer coins than that. They're just worth okay. more to collect yeah, some yeah. stuff. Okay, okay. But essentially 2,500 gold worth of treasure. Mm. Coinage. Uh, can anybody use some splint mail? This dude was loaded. Um, no, I don't feel any particular need to wear armor. 
I will yeah. toss the split nail at Groth. And, um, so maybe... you, you try to toss it. Oh, <laughs> or you just sorry. kind of roll it. <laughs> uh, maybe once you have that on, you'll be interested in stepping into combat. It is also caked in blood. Um, Groth, like, takes it and, like, looks at the blood and stuff on it. And just shrugs, and literally right there, just starts putting it on. Yep, and as you put it on, it's uh, magically designed, and as you begin putting it on, it begins to adjust and extend to match your frame. Um, and if you take the time to put it on, uh, you can go ahead and give yourself plus one split mill. Uh, seeing it begin to adjust to his much larger frame, I am going to attempt to put on the studded leather. <laughs> Similar enough, though as you put it on, it's a little bit baggy, and you have to kind of like wiggle your your shoulder pads down to even see out of it until something triggers in it. And as you go ahead and slip it on, you can give yourself um, a set of glamoured studded leather armor. Uh, sorry, as you see, as you I just threw it on. I have no need for armor. As you see, it suddenly flips into a tuxedo, as though that was its last sitting. Huh. Though, <laughs> even though it's shrunk down to fit your halfling size, the bow tie adjustment on it is still the size of like a normal bow tie. So it's just a really big bow tie. Well, never knew armor could be fashionable. Yeah, I'll I'll let the fat I'll let the I'll let the trends department know about this. If anybody decides to comment on the bow tie, and I will just summon the psychic blade and kind of spin it around my finger, and then <laughs> I'm tucking it into the side as I release it. Well, out of character, I am at, I don't know why, my brain is just imagining him as cartoonishly adorable. And be sure to equip that, it does also count as a plus one studded leather armor. Okay, thank you. But you can also, I believe, use an action to change its appearance. Oh. Uh... Koric, I do not know what you're In case you of. want a bigger bow tie. <laughs> I don't know what you're afraid of us commenting. You look adorable beyond all measure. <laughs> and that is the comment. And I will... <laughs> <laughs> I will uh, use an action to uh, turn it into basically a, a studded leather jacket, but rather than my previous worn leather, it'll be a little crisper with little metal studs adorning each So of it's like what you are wearing underneath, but it's just pimpier. Yes. <laughs> okay. Just just checking for Sounds... the you know for for assert... when it comes up. Assert uh, his position as a crime lord. <laughs> uh Adrian, I just remembered I have this spell um to the uh the spinal crushed man. Uh I would like to like Speak clearly yeah. and be. I'm going I, to I do want to also communicate after analyzing it. This man, he's not unconscious because his spine was crushed. It appears to be a pre existing injury okay. that he's learned to live with and obviously is some sort of badass with all the stuff you're seeing in his wagon. Um, it would appear that the injuries he has comes from like the big slashing marks on him. Well, uh, I'm going to attempt to detect thoughts, so I'm just going to try and, even if he's unconscious, direct his unconscious mind. Like, sir, if you could explain to me what happened to you so I can give you better care, and then I'll cast detect thoughts, and then get a search of his thoughts, and then delve deeper if I need to. So the way that this is kind of happening, and you kind of attune your mind, your, 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 your totally normal human mind, to his, mm -hmm. 
and as you kind of connect it a little bit, you, 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 you don't really sense his presence there. You're more kind of picking up on the thoughts that are going on in his mind that are just bubbling up on the surface. Mm-hmm. You get a feeling of, of fear and concern and purpose of being here and a will to hold on. You imagine that if this was any other person, they would have probably expired due to just giving up. You imagine this person was traveling at night, you think, but you just feel that that fear. Mm-hmm. That fear of mm-hmm. what what have I come looking for? Can I you dive know- deeper? He gets a wisdom save. He would get a wisdom save. I'm going to roll a wisdom save on him, but you would know that this would be a very invasive thing to do on his mind. Oh, he's unconscious. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not telling anyone I'm doing it. I'm just doing it. <laughs> he manages to... He rolls He, he, he rolls a, uh, a 16. Okay, that's above my DC. You get that feeling, but you sense that this is a very strong-willed individual, and as you kind of begin to pry in, like... Hmm. I'm curious, you just find yourself pushed out and that connection broken. I wonder, considering the type of stuff we found in his cart, I wonder if this would help, and I guess I'm gonna go over, I'm gonna pick up one of the little vials of holy water, kind of take, like, maybe a little cloth that I can find, dampen it, and try to, like, clean off the wound on his face, specifically with the holy water, to see if that might help or something. As you do go ahead and wipe it, it doesn't seem to... You can mark off one of the holy water vials. I don't know who's tracking them. But as you do wipe it, it's clean water. You imagine that that, at the very least, is sterile enough um, for what his wound is. Um, But it doesn't seem to have any other effect. All right. I believe we've done everything we can for him here. Mm -hmm. It's best if we move on. Uh, Do we think it's possible to fix the wagon? Um, I have... Efficiency and land vehicles. Can I make an assessment? Uh, I will tell you right now. Fixing this wagon. For one thing, it's going to need a new wheel. It's also probably going to need probably a few hours of labor. Okay. All oh. right. We'll pass that one. And you do if... have a, a you you do have oh, a chair to transport him on. <laughs> if we need to carry more stuff, I can easily summon a disc to help us carry stuff. Would carry him. I mean, one of us can push him, and the disc can carry the rest. Sounds like a plan, and I'm just gonna ritually cast Tensor's floating disc. And at the end, you snap your fingers, and a disc of force appears. As all of you have made preparations, it's probably been a good thirty minutes that you've been at this site. Did uh. And you can go ahead and you can stack like the, the I don't know, the holy water crates and what's mm-hmm. not on it. The desk itself comes comes with a little with a little cubicle. <laughs> not to assume anyone's morals, but perhaps if there's anything the rest of you would like from this little hoard, may I want to squirrel it away before we get there. Hmm. The firearm looks interesting. 
Well, I will remind everyone that until this individual dies and his will and testament is found and cataloged, uh, taking any of his belongings would be uh, theft. Let's bring it along with us, because um, if we're taking him with us, then most of his stuff's going to be left unguarded. And who knows how long it was unguarded before we found him. Mm, I see who, what you're getting at. To be clear, I did not bring it up as a moral uh, inquiry, just in case. A legal one. Matters. Yes. <laughs> the crime lord staying next to the pile of treasure. Yes. <laughs> what do you do? You leave it on the cubicle? Do you? Wanna yeah, let's stack it, it up. Let's stack it up in the cubicle. I mean, at this point, all we're doing is collecting his belongings and bringing them with him. All right. So we technically not done anything legally dubious as of yet. If need who, be, we can borrow it. Who is pushing the wheelchair? So you just kind of get behind this individual who's just kind of laying limp, their head lolling backwards, big scar down the face, other on their otherwise very handsome complexion. There's some way to attach him to the chair so he won't fall out as we bump and. Uh, you see that there is like a belt. There is like a belt yeah. that is already in there, so you can easily figure out that mechanism. And it was pretty clear that the like sign, like the. Whatever attacked the wagon wasn't a snake, because there's claw marks and things. With your, you rolled above a 20. Um, looking at it, the biggest thing that stands out in your mind is the three very long claw marks. Kind of Jurassic Park style, just driven along the edge of the, of the, the carriage. Well, that's spooky. And clearly there's more than snakes in this swamp. Is it possible to tell by the claw marks what maybe what monster did it? I would say Groth, you would you would not recognize this as anything okay. you'd be familiar with or faced before. And you fought some Considering by the glaive you carry some uh, nasty foes in the past. Can we try to discern about how large it is from the size of the claw marks? If it is bipedal, it, it, quadrupedal? They are, four, they are four feet long. Four feet long. And they just splinter and slice through the wood. The claws are four feet long? No, that's, a, that's the tear in the side oh, of the wagon. okay. I was huh. like... For, for, through a man and so, out the other side and through another man. <laughs> so it's slashing distance is pretty long, so if you can consider and just or kind of just Gloria's very, just very kind strong. of okay. Yeah, Gloria's just kind of drawing out like a little diagram of like, okay, so it's if it's slash distance is about this long, then its arm should be about oh that's a long arm. That's that's concerning. Are there footprints? in the boggy part of the, the the mud. Roll me a perception check, Gloria. Hmm. 
And I can imagine that right here I'd write down, and that's when we discovered the footprints, and I'll use my 13 from my divination die. 13? Mm-hmm. Total? So, 13 plus 4, 17. You kind of close your eyes for a second and see a flash of a vision from the events that have transpired, and you open your eyes and you see in the road that you were traveling across single footprint three times the length of a human's five sharp claws digging down into the mud as it had stepped and tread across but it looks completely alien to any of you Just kind of sketch it out in my little notebook for later reference. Yeah, you kind of had to like push back some grass to actually like clear it out a little bit. And... But I knew where it was. And this is what I get for leaving Electrovolve. But was oh, this a direct consequence of leaving town? This happens often. <laughs> but it is getting late, or in the day. Mm-hmm. You imagine right. that, well, hopefully it's not too much further or you'll be arriving in the evening. Alright, boys, let's keep moving. Very well. So, what's the marching order we're currently going with? I imagine Groth is at the back with the wheelchair and the unnamed individual. I'll... Uh, do we know how long we'll be traveling? You don't. Do we think it'll be longer than an hour? Probably. Uh, Gloria, if it's alright with you, I would like to, uh, sit upon your disc and, uh, rest for a bit. Yeah, go ahead. I, I think I left some spare paper in the drawer if you need it. If, I will say if you do want to take a short rest, you will, you will actually need to sit up camp. That's not something you can do sitting on a disc. Hmm. <laughs> Just because it's more than doing nothing. Back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if that's something you want to commit to, you could. But you could also start making making hay while the sun shines. Given that we now know there is a large and dangerous creature that can overturn carts somewhere around us, it seems that quiet would be useful. I'm going to ask you all not to ask too many questions about this, but I think perhaps internal communication would be more useful than external. Like this, and I send a message to him. Similar. And I will, um, like, touch them on the shoulder one at a time and give, uh, psychic whispers. As there's just this little puff of bright purplish smoke and whispers come through your mind and then clarify into my voice. Rio, do you have a question? I don't have a question, it's just as you do that to Dilby, uh, at first uh, you're met with a complete stone wall, no effect, and then he goes, oh, oh, sorry, and then it takes effect, as if he let you do it. And I'll respond um, mentally to Gloria, uh, so pretty similar. <laughs> and that is going to be for... One hour! Oops! <laughs> <laughs>
Well, we better move both quietly, but not too slow. Okay. As you begin making your way downtown across, make your <laughs> walking fast. Face is fast. It wasn't Absolutely. me this time. As you make your way, it's that short idea uh, we were talking about before the stream. Um, as you begin making your way um, through the bog, probably a good two, three hours pass, and eventually you find yourself um, pushing this unconscious stranger uh, by the bugbear behind you into a sort of twisted dead glade of long dead and flooded trees that have succumbed to some sort of blight and walking through this dead forest you begin to kind of feel the shadows grow longer as the sun drifts further along the sky and clouds begin to pass in front of it but as you emerge on the other side of this dead grove of trees across a small little body of water you see colors that are a bit uncanny for much of the terrain that you've seen. A hill, like a grassy knoll, 100 feet rising diagonally upwards, covered in white and yellow wildflowers. At the top of this very steep hill that rises like a plateau above the swamp, you see white picket fences running along the edge of the sort of crest and you think you see the roofing of a two-story farmhouse on top of it, painted of a, in a similar bright white color. I believe this is my our destination, my bad. Uh, we were heading towards a village. Well, it does give a Herbertsville vibe. I can think of at least You'll probably ask about it. I can think of at least five different human children stories that uh, begin with a idyllic college in the middle of a swamp. <laughs> I'll reuse psychic whispers just so that we have it in case anything goes belly up in at this introduction. So yeah. now it's four hours. <laughs> Alright. I gave you permission again. It's really strange, Quark. Can you also notice that Dilby's, like, covered in mud? Except for his face. His face, perfectly clean. I did want to say, Dilby, as we're approaching here, that I apologize for my rudeness to you. You were, um, excellent in dealing with that creature, and, uh, I, I shouldn't have underestimated you. I was not aware I was being underestimated. Well, you were and you are no longer. I apologize if my questions come off as uh, uncomfortable. I am what many would call uh, a follower of the social sciences, so other cultures, especially ones I'm not familiar with, I find fascinating. So any question I ask you is not meant to be offensive, it is literally to understand uh, for a future. In the background of just little by little precipitating the rest of the mud off of him so it doesn't look weird. <laughs> Sure. I should have taken a, a sly little eye from Gore, <laughs> a batting of, of of long mascara <laughs> or long eyeliner. I know makeup. Um, <laughs> yeah, you are at the bottom of this knoll. There is very little of an obstacle in front of you. 
and it is just a green grassy hill that looks uncannily idyllic. Sus vibes. Um, this yeah, sus. Like, uh, don't, don't witches usually live in these? Is, that is my understanding. If it looks super sus like that, I I guess just perception? Part of me wants to roll Arcana, but I feel like I wouldn't be able to identify it. You can't Should see I much ritually... else what is above this hill without climbing up the, uh, the trek upwards. It's not super, super steep. It's maybe about 30 degrees. Should I ritual cast detect magic again, just to be sure there isn't any enchantment or conjuration or anything else that's secretly hiding on speaking horrors? I mean, walking into an outland settlement, it's never a bad idea to be overprepared for mm -hmm. it. Uh, please do not be offended by this, but you seem as if somebody who is good at sneaking into places and gaining intel without others knowing. Correct? Hmm. Very well. I'm going to cast Invisibility on Korok. Alright. Korok, you uh, see Dilby extend his hand outwards and you see the momentary illusory glistening of like a clock face as you see it turn invisible in you as well. Huh. <laughs> I'll say mentally. I could get used to this. I am very useful as a support. That is why Gloria brings me along. <laughs> uh, I'm we... having a little trouble hearing Rio sometimes. Oh, I'm sorry. It's good. That's... I just want to make sure I can hear you. That's very strange. No one's ever said that to me in my entire life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll crest the hill um, just to make sure there's no danger ahead of us. All right. Um, and Gloria is going to start casting a spell. Yep, I'm going to start working on a detect magic. So oh, to pop be clear, I was, book, which I was waiting until after detect magic went off to do what I did. Oh, so 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 you're gonna you're gonna let Gloria cast it. So that hasn't been cast yet. Yeah. Sorry. So I have to check something. <laughs> uh oh. About two minutes into your casting, and, oh. you know, you're you're somewhat out of sight. Mm-hmm. You see. A small little head poke up above the fence. And it's just looking down at all of you. Does it see us? Korok, you see that. Oh. Um. Hello? Do you, you shout that? Uh, I'll say it uh, just in a regular tone of voice. Yeah, Is so you just go ahead and just... A hundred feet up the hill. A little oh. more than that. Uh, hello! Uh, we discovered a, uh, a traveler on the road who seems to have met an ill fate. Do you want to play Giddy Up? You hear a child's voice call out. We are entirely too busy for anything that involves the word play. Uh, do you I have... don't think kids understand that. Can you bring us an adult? Roll me a persuasion check. <laughs> I do apologize, Gloria. My childhood was basically non-existent. <laughs> okay, I'll take that. What is it? Net 20. Plus ah. 4 hey! 
So the kid looks down at you and says, Okay. And the kid just pops away. You imagine from the stature that this is a halfling child, too. Oh, <laughs> um, family. Probably no, no older than maybe four or five years old. It's like child, but more concentrated. The child disappears. What do you guys do? I imagine uh, Gloria stop casting. Insight on the child to see if it's really a child. You can't see the child right now. Yeah. There's just a tiny little head poking up with little hands. Just uh, on down at you. You're Don't trust children. Gloria, but if, if you can finish casting that before they come back, I wouldn't be... I think... I think... I will. I don't know if I trust random children on idyllic knolls in the swamp. Upside? That means there can't be any cannibalistic witches here. She would have definitely eaten that child. That could be the cannibalistic witch. Is, is does anyone interested at in seeing what's on the other side of the fence? Uh, I thought we were kind of... We could. Can we not see over the fence? You. It is on top of a hill that you're at the bottom of. It appears okay. to plateau beyond the fence. All right, I'll finish. I'll finish casting my detect magic. So you're gonna you're gonna keep casting it. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you want to make me invisible? Uh, I was just saying, like, while you're ca trying to cast it, does anyone want to get ahead and try to get a look at what's happening up there? Yeah, yeah I can go ahead with the plan. Because right now we're we're things are happening. Okay. So after I'm invisible, I will try and crest it then. Alright, so go ahead and roll me a stealth check with advantage, I imagine, if you're you're turning invisible, you're trying to remain unseen. Yes. And you've got like some crazy <laughs> range on your telepathy right now, right? Uh yeah, yeah it's a mile. It's a, several miles, yeah. Yeah. Um so I rolled a five and a nine, so thank goodness I have a plus eleven to stealth. <laughs> so that's gonna be a twenty. <laughs> So as you make your way to the top of the hill and you crest it, you are immediately met by a circle, a township of bright white houses. You see kind of built along here a, a few installations and you see it kind of descends downhill to what looks like a sort of uh, agricultural center. You see sugarcane reeds kind of in an area closer to the swamp but you see that the gardens here are very well manicured. The land here seems to be much healthier, much more suitable for agriculture and growing and you know, than most of the, the swamp below. And it would appear that this plateau has a sort of town built onto it, all painted in this sort of white, beautiful color. You see that there are maybe a few individuals walking around wearing similar sort of white, maybe we could compare it to kind of Cajun style dress walkings in tandem um, standing there you see as you kind of make your way up you see that there's a kid that kind of darts into the center and runs into one of the buildings I will relay back to the party um, it seems as though we found a sort of Eden in the swamp here sounds from what how you're describing it sounds a lot more Civilized? Then I would have expected for an unknown civilization out here. Time may tell. Hmm. Should I 
we join the rest of you or stay out of sight as long as this lasts? Would it not behoove us to enter as possible? As sorry, you cut out there partway through. Oh. <clears throat> Would it not behoove us to enter as peacefully as possible? I mean, if we are caught sneaking around, it would be much more suspicious than if we just entered. There. I will say, um, pretty much about five minutes towards uh, Quark's investigation from the perimeter, you can finish your spell. Alright. Concentrating on it. Yep. Alright, I'd say we just walk in, I mean, with a little bit of a and I just kind of do a little prestigitation just to make just a little bit on everyone just for them to be a little bit more presentable. You know, a little bit more ready for a business meeting if suddenly you required. You just kind of brush on a little bit of uh, just, just, just a little bit of uh, t skin tone and kind of maybe get the eyes to pop a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'll shake out my waist. I'll shake out my waistcoat and try and have clothes similar to those of the villagers. Sure. So, yeah. You, you, wait, you, you adjust it and then all of a sudden you're wearing yeah. uh, a Stenson? Uh, I, I, you described it however you described it. <laughs> all right. So you are now wearing a sort of uh, Western Stenson, bright white, uh, not a ton of rhinestones on them, but kind of like white tanned leather. Um very proper suit with like a little silver clasp mm -hmm. oh, or this is actually spiffy. this is actually dilby's dilby hasn't seen this this is dilby's interpretation of Korok's description of how they were dressed <laughs> <laughs> so would I, you like to as I, as I return to the group how how close does it look <laughs> um i want uh dilby to roll me a performance check That'll be an 18. <laughs> you see that <laughs> Toby is wearing a 10-gallon hat. <laughs> a belt a, a belt buckle that seems to... Uh, you don't remember him having a gut that big, but that seems to ride halfway up his gut. Um, a big white tailcoat and, like, just what they were wearing, kind of, but everything is just of a ridiculous proportion. Shall we? You'll... Why is she? Right in. Mm, yes. Your tone indicates that I will not. What should I change? Everything. Just... <laughs> uh, colors are fine. Colors are fine. Mm. Just shrink it all. Like, take so it I to tap the... a 12, take it to a 10. I do that. <laughs> you see the hatch shrink, the belt buckle suck in. <laughs> It's it's still not quite right, but it's a little it's a little less extreme. Being that I am not the journalist among us, I will say that's close enough as far as I'm going to be able to provide. What's Gross doing? I mean, doing? I'm not exactly with the fashion department. How's Gross doing? Just watching out. All right, just just push. Are you going to just start pushing the dude up the the the, the hill? Yeah, I'm going to check his straps to make sure everything's, like, tightened down and he's not going to fall out, because I don't want to run back down and pick him up. All right. You begin all making your way up the hill. And as you up come town? to the out... Hmm? Yeah, you up, up the hill. 
uh, uptown Stop. <laughs> um, you make your way towards Herbertsville, as you believe it is. And you kind of come Never to a break stopped. in the fence where there's room to push the chair through. And as you kind All of right. push your way through this little gate, you see standing in the middle of the street that is, is you know, very, very pristine. It's a little boy kind of clutching a stuffed dog and say, I found grown-ups! And behind him, you see carrying pitchforks and torches are 12, 13 individuals, um, one of them at their lead, carrying this very long crook figure hobbling forward in this sort of uh, militia dressed in similar styling, but with a lot of makeshift weapons. And you see that this very, very sour-looking individual with these long jowl slobbering cheeks and, and a very old wrinkled kind of bloated complexion it's just angrily staring at you you see like a vein pop in his head and he's just making his way towards you and he says see look that's where they are shit and you just see the the man look down run inside kid get inside tell your mother we to lock the door we have a man who's hurt who needs medical attention immediately. Would anyone be able to help? So yeah, you, you are just standing at the edge of the fence, the four of you, um, kind of framed around this unconscious dude in a wheelchair. Um, and yeah, you see that this militia begins making their way through and kind of semi-circularly surrounding you um, against this fence and this figure dressed in a kind of priestly attire steps forward and says, why do you come into our home? What is your business? I'll take a step behind Dilby. Uh, I will let my hammer manifest, but not touch it, so it just slams into the ground next to me. Uh, like, hammer down, shaft sticking up. And then I will be like, uh, we're here on, I believe, two counts of business. One is an injured traveler, and the other one was, I believe we are here for a news story of some kind. Uh, I did not pay that close attention to that, but if you continue to be aggressive, uh, me and my companions will destroy and raise this village to the ground. What do you mean? You will do I, no uh, such <laughs> just, just wide eyes, like, excuse me? I can't raise my voice too loud because I will blow out the mic, but he'll go like, you will do no such thing. We want nothing. None of your reports or your gambling houses or brothels in our town. Go back to the hole in the swamp you came from. Oh, what he meant was that we would defend ourselves if we were attacked, but primarily we Thoroughly. have a traveler here who we assume is from the village who was attacked by some sort of giant beast. And need medical attention. I need Cork to go ahead and roll a persuasion check. Oh god, okay. I'll make that a, I'll make that a natural 20. DC, considering Dilby's... Hmm? I'll make that a natural 20. So, <laughs> how does how does this... So, Gloria, you kind of see this moment. And your eyes don't really draw attention to this, this grizzled, jowling individual. But your eyes connect to another person whose ears do seem to have been reached. A woman steps out of the space she was in. A lavish manor house with these long pillars and a balcony above. 
clearly maybe some sort of town hall perhaps dressed in a sort of um, similar attire but in a bit of a, a, a sort of more dressly pattern and uh, kind of brought up into a sort of buckled up vest and she begins making her way forward and she says wait please for first minister I, I, I asked him to come here. What? Oh, this is mutiny. This is this is a sin against the the town, Elena. You know we can't have outsiders. You know what they'll do to us. What they'll do to our culture. Do to our our our, our, our cleansing, our purity. And not to say, mention your frail bodies. She'll she'll reach out and say, no, please. Um, uh, it, it is too late. They, they have someone. I, 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 we'll, we'll bring in the doctor and, um, we'll, we'll keep them within the space. I can assure you they, they, they are here just to, just to help us with, with the problem. <sighs> we don't have any problem. I'm dealing with the problem as we speak. You hear the sound of a scream and a lashing of a whip somewhere deeper in town that you had not noticed before. Penance is being paid. And when it has been paid, there will be no more problem. We will no longer be plagued. The only threat is these de deposits coming into our home. Please, you don't need to worry about... Just please, let me handle them. It's too late to let them go. They will be out by the morning, I swear. They better be. I'll be watching you. I'll be watching all of you, especially you, pretty Zalski. little boy. At Dilby. Yeah, very much has that monster ink quality. <laughs> <laughs> Look who's the pretty little one now. I'll say back to Dilby, or I'll say to Dilby <sighs> mentally. I'll have you know my countenance is very purposefully average. I'll be watching. I'll have my eyes on you. I'll have all my eyes on you. And he'll start Matt. off back to town. Yeah, Matt to quickly propose something. He's walking just... away. Sir? But he's just walking away, giving you like a sideways glance before he hobbles away in a I can help back. make sure no outsiders come back here ever again after we've solved the beast problem. There isn't a beast problem. Well, I you can You better if... not try my patience, little girl. Well, I'm saying that Elena I can... Elena will just, like, look at you like... Mm -hmm. This woman, Elena, will just, like, look at you like, please don't antagonize him. I was attempting to help. Oh, dear. This woman, she approaches, and you see that there's, like, two of these sort of pitchfork-wielding militia standing by. She says, please, I... I, I, I'm terribly sorry. We should take this back to... <sighs> Back to my home. Um, we can talk about it there. I, I am terribly sorry for how you were introduced. Is there any another... chance we can help get this man medical attention? Yes, yes, please. Um, she kind of calls to um, that same halfling boy again. Says, can you please go fetch the doctor? Tell him that there is a, a very sick man. And then go stay with your mom, okay? And the kid just kind of nods and runs off and says, okay, governess, and he'll run off to uh, some some house, and she'll say, please, uh, bring him bring him inside. We'll, uh, we'll get him sorted out. 
And yeah, as she begins making her way forward, I guess signals to Gross, who I imagine isn't going to be talking a whole lot either. <laughs> Anything you guys want to say after recent events? I was going to propose to him that we can help him make sure that there's no more outsiders that come back here. Because frankly, I don't want anyone from the city to come back here. But apparently he doesn't like that idea either. I'm sure it's no offense meant, Glory. I don't think that he likes any ideas. <sighs> well, thankfully that means I can write whatever I'd like about this place and not feel any remorse. Not like I ever have. I seriously doubt he'll ever read it. I see. basis <laughs> we do not discuss that dear dilby <laughs> just saying it's just a casual mind. just a casual reminder we we do not discuss that incident <laughs> well, then. my trust of bodegas may have decreased significantly but my rage did not would you like to make your way towards the governess's estate? Yes. Uh, yes, if she's leading the way, we're happy to follow. <laughs> yep, so you kind of linger for a moment, and you find that as you're standing there, not only are, like, these these henchmen of the First Minister uh, kind of watching you, you see that there are many people kind of poking their, their, their eyes out of the blind, staring towards you. Some with a quizzical look, others with... Maybe confusion or fear or just simply idle curiosity at what you are. You imagine that these are not the type of people who get many outsiders. You would also notice too that there are lanterns hung about here, but unlike the lanterns usually found in Electroval, they would appear to be uh, kerosene in nature, not electric. Natural gas? Do they have no concept of furthering? I mean, that would, that's so, I mean, I guess swamp gas, I mean, I guess that is pretty abundant in these parts. <laughs> you hear like a mooing of a cow in the distance to answer that question. Smells um, vile. But yeah, <laughs> none of them are lit right now. It is still like uh, mid-late afternoon. I mean, what I'm hearing is that it's a powder cake ready to go up. Oh, and... Just to, to remind everyone, we're all having these conversations mentally still, because it mm -hmm. has been four hours. So. Yes, better to not share too much with the locals. So as you are all just kind of spending about 60 seconds just staring at each other, standing out in this courtyard, oh. you'll be making your way towards the house. <laughs> yes. <laughs> apologies, apologies. <laughs> we meant no rudeness, governess. We uh, are just gathering ourselves mentally from the yeah. difficult journey. Yeah, Gross is already in there with uh, the the stranger you rescued, and you make your way inside. Groth, you, you find that us. the you find that the governess leads you into a bit of a a parlor area where she is in the process of bringing out freshly steeped tea. Um, and she says, "I'm terribly sorry. Um, we don't get a lot of outsiders, and uh, I guess I wasn't really anticipating your arrival." No one I really can was. see why. May I ask 
what exactly your uh, first minister is worked up about? Um, uh, it's, it's a complicated story. You hear there's like a knock at the door. Just hold on just a second. Uh, I'll, I'll get the doctor set up with um, with the man you brought in and uh, we, can, we can maybe talk while he does his magic. And she'll go off. She'll answer the door in this um, this, this halfling fellow uh, kind of wearing a sort of white kind of uh, doctor's gown makes his way inside with these big brass buttons on it and he makes his way inside and she exchanges some words with him and she'll lead him into the parlor where Groth is kind of sitting with the man and I guess she'll return and if Groth wants to join her as well you may as uh, he is getting medical care but she'll return and say I'm sorry you had a question before I went off to deal with that uh yes we were curious um what exactly the first minister is so worked up about and i will mentally say to gloria you still have your detect magic up right um have i ever saw found anything for my detect magic not immediately. Maybe you might have seen like the thing, the chain that, or the the pendant or necklace that uh, the man was carrying around his neck. The first minister was carrying around his neck. Kind of had a bit of magic emanating from it as well. Um, not a lot. No, actually, if anything, compared to what you would see in Electroval with all the artifice there, this place is very analog. Mm. They heat their homes with gas and wood. They use use flame to light their streets, their food they seem to source themselves. Um, they appear spot. to, when it gets hot, they open the windows. Despite Very every barbaric. attempt, despite every attempt to look clean and modern, they are somehow the most backwards people I have ever encountered. Just casually taking notes as I say this. Do you say it in your head? Uh, I kind of say it, I say it mentally. Yeah. I don't want to say it in front of the governess. Yeah. I was going to say, like, it just, like, casually gets the, chan <laughs> the mental channel mixed up. All you <laughs> Um, but yeah, she'll sit down with all of you and she'll pour you tea. Say, we got, we got some stuff with caffeine in it. We got something if it's a bit too late in the day for that for you. Um, but yes, uh. None for me, thank you. I do enjoy a peppery herbal. This is... Honestly, despite the general attitude, this is a lovely town you have here. Very, very pristine looking. We, uh, we try to remain a, uh, a town of, of good and order. It's, uh, kind of caught us at an inopportune time. Uh, there was a party that came by here from, uh, I think the same place, the big, big bright beacon on the horizon, Electroval. Some folks came here, but uh, First Minister told him off in, a, in an equal fashion as he was trying to tell you off. But uh, I, I didn't expect more people to come back. Well, thankfully, good journalism is gosh darn stubborn. Did is you... that why you came out here to write a book, or...? We actually... We actually wanted to learn more about this place in order to, you know... You know, the purpose of journalism is to create a painting in the minds of the people. You know how the world is a stage? Well, that stage and show needs a producer, and that's what I'm here for. 
with my associates to create a good show to tell back at home. Not in a literal sense, but, you know, paint, a, figure out what's going on, paint a good picture, and help everyone develop an understanding of what should be understood. I suppose as governess, um, I, I would <clears throat> want to communicate with you, but I don't think our people are too interested in having too many tourists or uh, people spoken from the outside. Well, a big message that could be possibly spread is that this is an interesting place, but absolutely not one to visit. Written in the right way, you can make sure that no other travelers come back to this town again unless you really want them to. What are the rest of you doing or saying or thinking? Would you like to contribute? Uh, well, uh, what better story to tell, uh, especially one that leads itself to to readers of adventure and and those trying to avoid the more dangerous parts of the Outlands, than the story of taking care of something incredibly dangerous. If your town is thought uh, to be surrounded by horrible... I, I, I can assure you, we, we don't have uh, too much of a problem. We just got some problem with some local wolves in the swamp, uh, but uh, we got we got a militia dealing with it, we've been putting up more patrols. Not really much to worry about. Nothing with claws, and I'll hold out a hand to denote the size of the gashes we saw in the side. And I'll hold out, and I'll hold out where I drew a picture of the paw print I saw. And maybe some of the diagrams of, like, the slash mark and how long the arms should be based off of that. Where, where did you get that? These are recordings of the place where we found this man and his cart that was turned over. She she is about to speak. I, 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 I don't really really know what to say. That's a smart attack. You hear a creaking of a door and you hear a another voice speak. Elena, do we have company? <laughs> As you see a woman kind of step out, kind of leaning on a cane <laughs> quite heavily. What's what's the matter? I heard I heard uh, first minister outside. There's a there's a in the sunroom. There's a a man with the doctor. What happened? Um, I'm so terribly sorry. This is um, hi, Lena. Uh, I'm 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 I'm. I've have introduced myself. Um, my name is uh, I'm, I'm Governor Elena. This is here is my wife. Luis, uh, we, uh, we, 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 uh, Luis, you shouldn't be out of bed. Please, you know what, what the doctor was saying? She's, I don't want to stay in bed no more. I want to meet these people. I want to know what's happening. You're worrying me, honey. Do any of you want to intercede? Right now it looks like Elena is just trying to stumble mm -hmm. for words. It, it's a, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure, Miss Louise, if, if, if I catch the name correctly. Uh, unfortunately, this man was attacked, and we came here trying to figure out if we know any more about the creature, if you've seen any, if you've ever seen any paw prints like these, or heard, heard stories around your town, if there's anything you could tell us to help. Y y y are you here to help? Yes, we are. She looks over at Elena and she says, and Elena's just kind of like gone a little silent. 
little sunken into herself. She says, Elena, you haven't told them. I think they're here to help. Please, I know that this has been a problem for you. It's been a problem for everyone, but... Do you not trust them? She says, no, no, it's not... Louise, please, you should really lie down. She says, I'm not lying down. This is getting causing too much of a problem. People, people are dying, going missing. Who knows what other sort of trouble is going on. Rougarou, it's back. And I think these people might stand a chance at helping. Uh, what? Elena just says, it's Rougarou. It's uh, an old, old, old legend uh, we used to tell children when I was a wee bab. To kind of convince them to stay in the town. Would you mind describing it? Louise, as Elena's trying to dismiss it, says, it's a, it's a terrible monster. It's a, a creature created by, by witches in the swamp, uh, brought about by those who, who don't follow the tenets of virtue. Hmm. And, and, and that's what uh, the first minister is all worked up about, is, is we've been getting attacked, and he's convinced that, that we, we've been letting go of those values. And that's why it's been, been herring in us. Never he's been, heard he's of been a tracking creature. down sin and he's been tracking down sin and making sure folks repent before more blood spilled. Of course. Hmm. Yes. And but but that, that's not going to solve the problem. It's it's not a legend. It's a it's a monster, and it it needs to be killed. Or, or the the creature that created it needs to be. I have. I'm just pursing this out in my mind, and I've never heard of any sort of creature that comes out when there's a need to repent. That's definitely new, definitely very interesting for the story. And in my head, I'm like, okay, yeah, this, 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 this minister guy is probably behind this. This He's probably setting this up, especially if he's got an agenda, or at least he's definitely making it much worse. Like, that's Elena. just what I'm thinking. Hmm. Elena. All of you get this torrent of, of, of conspiracy theories. <laughs> um, Elena speaks up and has kind of gathered her speaking voice and says, Please, uh, let me explain a little bit about our history. Maybe, maybe, Louise, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to them. Just stop, friend. Go lie down if you would. And Louise says, I'm fine. And she kind of kneels to a knee and kind of grabs a hold of her cane. And Elena stands up and you see, like, her, their teacup kind of fall and spill onto the nearby rug. And she helps Elena up, and she says, It's fine, it's fine, I, I'm gonna make my way back. If you better. I don't want you, I don't want to, I don't want to lose you. Says, I'll, I'll be fine. Just start making her way back. I'll send the doctor in once uh, he's done with our latest guest. Sounds good. I'll bring in some tea. Thumbs up. Elena, out. after, uh, after Louise leaves, uh, Elena, I, I don't mean to be presumptuous by any means I understand why your town would want um, you know little if nothing to do with Electroball but from the little we've seen of this beautiful place perhaps the advances that have been made in Electroball could be something that helps your community your your wife if she's in such dire straits That is, I guess, one concern, but I've also got the concern of the people. 
I'm starting to wonder how much longer we can uh, remain here the way we've been living for the last 130 years before the world catches up to us. Of course, we always hear about folk traveling out in the swamp, what little trading we do out there of war bands who, who, who try to conquer, raise villages, wiping out whole societies and families. Or that the folk who came from Electroval, they, uh, that's what you call it, they, they, they were friendly, but they were a bit proud with their questions. But I feel like it might be better if we allied ourselves with them, but I just don't think that the people's ready to be in that place yet. And my latest problem, it's, it's going to be hard to convince them with everything that's been going on. I really would love to, but I think right now I've got to play the politics as they are, and that's make sure the people's privacy is valued, our sovereignty. Maybe give you a little idea of why everyone's worked up about the Ruguru. A hundred and thirty years ago, not long after the old world went kablooey, some folks living out in one of the old settlements were driven out. The gangs had started turning into warlords and they began fighting for territory. They didn't want to do that anymore. Their, their town that they were in, they banded together and when they couldn't defend themselves anymore, they left. Seeking, seeking Electral, the place before, uh, you know, a city that was rumored not to have, have been destroyed during the eclipse and the big dark. They, they, they traveled there and, and they were led by a man named Herbert LeBlanc. And she'll look up at like a big uh, portrait, like a big oil canvas portrait of this man sitting in a chair holding an iced tea. Uh, very uh, kind of dark, but very very dark, handsome complexion, but with a sort of facial hair that is almost as white as the suit that he wears, and a similar Stinson hat with a warm smile and an ashtray at his side. Very friendly, very, very warming, very charismatic looking. Herbert, he was a he's a bit an icon here. He's the one who 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 led us away from home. He's the one who made the tough calls and made sacrifices so that most of us wouldn't have to. One day he was trying to make find a route towards Electral, but that was before the the swamp began flooding in here and the roads got all destroyed. Him and uh, well, uh, the first minister's grandfather, the two of them got separated. Uh, trying to scout a path and when the storm essentially ended well he emerged uh, Claire, uh, Mr. Headwater he returned to the, the base camp but Herbert he found himself here he found himself in the promised land and he met, met a woman who lived here as well an older woman who lived here alone and told her about the vision he had for his people a place free of crime and free of sin a way people could, could live and grow their lives and raise their kid, their children. And she was moved by it and she, she agreed to give him the land. And as long as we remain pure. Though, if, if we ever strayed from that, then all the evils we created would destroy us. And I, I think that maybe that's a little bit, uh, a little bit too much gospel fit into it, but... Well, the latest minister, he's, uh taking that a little bit more literally mm. but there has been 
a monster of sorts. I don't know if it's tied to, to the woman that Herbert, Saint Herbert, I guess, since he's been uh, sainted since his death, was uh, laid upon, or perhaps some other beast of the swamp. It's been causing problems, and I don't know if how many lashings or, or confessions it's going to take, if that will take any, to uh, get rid of the beast that's been been attacking us cattle and attacking our our militia. Are Breaking there any are there any specific events that you know some some sort of things that maybe happened in this town that may have sparked these events if this beast was summoned by by your sin? I want everyone to roll me an insight check. This has kind of been a gauge going on throughout the entirety of this conversation. Oh, thank you, Lucky. <laughs> All right, dirty 20. Okay. Um, uh, 16. For the record, uh, Dilby, as soon as he got into a seated position, went into sentry's rest because he's trying to get a nap in while they talk to this. But he can still hear <laughs> and yeah. see everything, but he's not really participating and he's standing perfectly still. <laughs> if anyone looks at Dilby, he hasn't moved. He's been doing this this whole time. He's just been in an idle position. position. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if anyone questions this... He just keep posing in the corner. <laughs> if any if anyone like questions questions this in in our heads while this is happening gloria is just like he just lacks to be proven proper in these kinds of situations no worries Cross. <laughs> 320. that's 220s we know all the two of you can tell based on how she's conducted herself <laughs> and when you ask the question is there an event something that tripped up some some stressor of sorts you can tell she knows but hasn't but is so terrified to say anything that she just smiles and nods continues to tell tell the story of how they got here and her dreams and of, of bringing the world to its future. I'm gonna send her a message. Like, there's ways we can talk without anyone else knowing. But we'll do a much better job of helping you the more we know. It's okay. You're roll safe me, with us. Roll me a persuasion check. Ah, uh, shit, I already used both my portents. You have inspiration. I do have inspiration. So go ahead and roll. Um, okay. It's like a luck point. Oh, thank goodness I had that inspiration. My first one was a three, so let's try again. Yes, seventeen. She looks at all of you. Your eyes meet hers, except for Dilby's. You're <laughs> just staring blankly into space. Dilby's on she factory reset. She she realizes, especially from Groth, who gives her a raised eyebrow, like, yeah, I know. <laughs> she lets out a sigh. 
You have to promise to help us. And you promise you can't let anyone else know. We come from good stock in Electroval. No criminals, no sinners here. We Roll a deception check. <laughs> okay. uh, I'm going to use... Uh, actually, I guess I can, I can decide after I roll, but um, I'm probably going to use another class ability. The only one of us who doesn't lie constantly is Groth, and that's because he doesn't talk. Uh, <laughs> I haven't lied once. Okay. She'll 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 accept you. She gives you a look of like, I can tell that. Um. But please, you can't let anyone know that Luis is the monster they're hunting. And with that, we are going to go ahead and take a bio break. Who's Louise? Louise is her wife! Her wife! Right. <laughs> it is? Okay, that's what I thought. I wasn't sure. Thank you for joining us. If you found this content enjoyable, be sure to check out other stuff published by Dice Carnival. You can also check out our collaborators, the Mighty Misfits Menagerie. Music is used with permission by this way to the egress. There's also going to be a part two. Make sure to watch that. You wouldn't want to be left in a state of limbo now, would you?